Austrian horror, the air itself is filled with monsters. Children of the night, what music they make. He's alive! He's alive! Well, hello, all you monster fiends. Thank you for joining us again for another deep dive factoid filled episode exploring Hollywood's most famous monsters. I am your master of ceremonies, Sam, <laughs> and we are joined, as always, by Dan from Bleeding Marvelous. Say hello, Dan. Hello, Dan. And with us this week is... It's Graham. Like, I have no, like, <laughs> I, I have no other introduction. You know him from our previous episodes. We have the marvelous Graham and my sister, Michaela. <laughs> Say hello, everyone. I love how that takes away any kind of agency. It's like, oh yeah, she's my sister. <laughs> Fuck whatever achievements she's got. You know, it's literally just like, oh, that's the only important thing about her. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I have some degree. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's like, and film expert who we'll, happens we'll, to be we'll, my sister. Well, fast forward. So we have joining us. <laughs> You can't go back on it now. There's no, there's no quick save now. <laughs> there's not. Fuck that one right up. So this week we're doing Phantom of the Opera. Given that I remembered shortly after we finished the last episode what we were doing this week. Um. So what I'll do is because I do, I do have a fair bit to go through. I have done my research on this this week. So we'll get into the disclaimer and then we'll we'll crack on. Yeah. So, everything discussed in today's episode is our opinions and our opinions alone. If you'd like to join, my goodness, if you'd like to discuss anything from today's episode, please come and join us in the Facebook group or the comments section where we can have an open discussion. What we won't have is anyone come in for us and tell us our opinions are wrong. We can all agree to disagree in fandom. So, let's keep it fun, keep it kind, and keep the toxic behavior out of nerdism. I thank you. Good <laughs> well. I messed that one up. <laughs> I feel like it should be throwing like flowers. Yeah, it should be so that, and, yeah. Especially and... after what I've watched today. I feel all very like royal and like very grandeur and <laughs> yes, I feel like that's how it should be. Um okay, so Phantom of the Opera. All the adaptations are from the nineteen ten novel Le Phantom de l'Opera. It has nine movies to its name, with the first being the nineteen twenty-five Phantom starring Lon Chaney and Mary Philbin. Had a successful stage show, original Broadway production, played its final performance on April 16th, 2023. It was emotional. Mm. Uh, okay. No one ever sees the angel, but he is heard by those who are meant to hear him. So we bring you Phantom of the Opera. Took me a long nice. time to find that one too. Yes. <laughs> so. <You're gonna> clap. <laughs> I would love one. Thank you. Why? Oh, I'm about to clap <laughs> so, only question, first question, only question. Does the Phantom make a good monster? I love the deadpan silence. I have learning not to jump in, sorry. <laughs> no, I have I have a thing, so I can mm -hmm. go first. Um I what well, I wrote what makes a phantom a great monster, because I heard that's what you've said too. Anyway, um, I don't think he does. Yeah. I think I think the Phantom has a little bit more 
of a outcast of like the Universal Monsters due to the fact that the countless adaptations you kind of remember more the musical side of it mm-hmm. and he's more of a like sympathetic character and I think he has these traits of like romanticism, unrequited love, passion and that's kind of what people remember him as mm-hmm. but, but when I think of the Phantom of the Opera I think first and foremost Lauren Cheney's performance of it which yeah. is the iconic I think he is the icon of icons of yeah. the monsters and when it comes to him his look like he's actually terrifying even today it's like 97 years old and he is petrifying mm-hmm. there's kind of no redeeming quality about him he's like mm-hmm. a stalker um, yes. <laughs> he's obsessed it's like lust and he I was watching the silent one today and there's a bit where he's kind of like luring her but he has no like powers you know he's not a vampire he's not he's just an ugly man <laughs> <laughs> and I bet mommy's the worst no, x-men power actually worse than the kid who can do like the little forked tongue in the movies and you're like right okay <laughs> you came to the queue late didn't you you know but he's like i have the power of ugliness <laughs> <laughs> Let, let me hypnotize you with my ugly. Yeah, but for years he thought and he I just think... had the power to make people scream, and it's actually <laughs> found a mirror, and he was like, "Oh, is that what it is?" Right. <laughs> so I think, as a monster, as a launching, I the monster, but I think he's been slowly um, a pal- palatable look. In yeah. in cinema and music, and that he be, he comes across as something a bit more, not a monster, more of a, a different romantic kind of figure, which is gross. And yeah. I think you've got to pin it on Lorne Cheney alone, and I'm sure we'll discuss that of yeah. just being pure iconic cinema that's still to this day, nearly a hundred years later, an incredible looking monster. Well that's done. That's so good. You two, have you got That's any thoughts? Does he make a good monster? Uh, if you're looking at the human aspect of monsters, yeah, he's he's a stalker. He's uh, technically a kidnapper. Mm-hmm. He's um, I don't know what else technically he would fall under, but from the human aspects of stuff, yeah, he's a bit of a monster. Mm-hmm. But in the monster monster sets. You know, he's yeah. not a werewolf. He's not a uh, a human made of other humans. He's not like um. Very specific. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, no. the human made of other humans. Yes, like that, category. That would, <laughs> that would be Frankie Monster, but you know, yeah. um, uh, he's not like a. He hasn't got a disease like Dracula. Um, mm-hmm. y- you know, uh, the forces him to be that way. You know, it's not a lifestyle choice. <laughs> 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 being ugly, ugly is hard. <laughs> being ugly is hard. Um, but yeah, in that in that respect, the human side of it, yes, he is. But as an actual monster, monster, no, I wouldn't say he does. Yeah, I think this is the first time we've covered where it's an actual personality trait that is the monster part, mm. as opposed to anything else. It, it for me, it's a tough one. I don't know if I agree because it's like the problem is the Phantom changes a lot through adaptation. Yeah. Yeah. And it gets very difficult because the fact is, 
I hadn't seen the Lon Chaney one until yesterday, which is, yay, research. Uh, because <laughs> I, yeah, the last time we were doing this, and we were talking about Phantom of the Opera, I only watched the 1943 one, one and then knew of the other ones. But watching the Lon Chaney one, you're like, hey, this is a much better movie. Mm -hmm. And it's actually a horror film, which the 1943 one isn't. But it's the fact that the Phantom changes through all the iterations to the fact that he becomes a romantic kind of creature in mm -hmm. like the the Lloyd Webber attempted a musical um but uh the I think it's the the horrible thing about like the monster is like you're saying it's they make him too human mm -hmm. and but he gets creepier it's so I, I don't know I think he's an oh I think he's a good monster but it's very odd because he's like relatable but also a bastard like you know yeah. for instance like in the Lon Chaney one he's born deformed like that isn't something that happened to him over time yeah so he kind of is a monster where he's grown up being that outcast and that's like developed him somehow he's become an amazing musician i don't know how <laughs> so, like there is no backstory at all they're just like he appeared here and <laughs> he's amazing at music can gift people with music and lives under an opera house okay yeah like it, it makes no sense but like like you were saying though it's like he's very scary the tension and the fear factor is massive mm -hmm. in the in the original and i don't know if he is too creepy towards her because he genuinely seems to care for christine and he genuinely wants to help her in a way and he doesn't seem too crazy but obviously that turns around when he's like going hey be with me or you kind of die yeah it's, it's, <laughs> you know, and it's like, okay so it's, maybe it's, maybe a bit weird but then in the, the 1943 one sorry no no go on. yeah Keep in on. the 1943 one he's just a simp like he, <laughs> he's too pathetic to be a monster in that yes. kind of capacity where he like it's this whole thing where he wasn't born ugly he wasn't given a bad hand by <sighs> like his life he literally just goes hmm should i have a lovely life and like um and like you know be be a success and stuff or should i give all my money to this woman who doesn't know i actually exist and live in poverty and then when i lose my job uh she doesn't even know that i've helped her mm, maybe she'll sleep with me one day and you're like you know and you're just like going that's a shit origin story maybe. very you know, unsell like, yeah and then when he, <laughs> and then obviously he gets splattered with acid he runs off he becomes a monster he kills someone even though if he just waited the guy would have been like actually yeah sorry the other guy doesn't know what he's talking about this is brilliant yeah we'll hire you you know yeah. which is basically what the next scene would be had he not murdered someone yeah but it's just it... but but in terms of kills he has none he drops a chandelier Kills a couple of people. Takes fucking ages going about it. So Forty-seven years, I counted. Forty-seven years. Yeah. Give or take. Okay, you were you watching in fast forward? I'm threatening. I'm a monster. And you're like, look, Frankenstein could have strangled or no, could have yeeted about fifty infants <laughs> in this time. You know. That hacksaw blade, right? That scene, that was unnecessary to keep harking back yeah. as many times. We know as they that's did. happening. <laughs> he he never got any further. I, like, he's still doing the same bit over and over and over again. And yeah. I'm all up for reusing footage and stuff to cut corners. But you made your point. The first two times we saw it, you didn't have to show us fifteen yeah. times yeah. him standing there getting nowhere with a hacksaw. We got it. Yeah. 
So yes, yeah, so once again, he's a simp and he's crap at <laughs> DIY. So it's but, he but it's just, have he's the best not, tools. He's not frightening at all. And then when he actually becomes like a villain, you kind of get the idea that one good punch would knock him out. Whereas the original yeah. Phantom, like by Lon Chaney, you just there's something like like you were saying, there's something supernatural about him, even though he doesn't have any powers, he has this presence where you're just like going, let's not. <laughs> you know, let's... Yeah, let's stay away from that one. Now, I was confused when I, I watched it on Amazon Prime. It's available to watch. You get some adverts in it, but you can watch the whole thing perfectly. And this one had some coloration to it. Yeah. So, yeah. But I have seen, there was a documentary at the end of the... Claude Rains one that said that showed clips of it in full color, in full black and white, with people talking as well. And I was very confused by that. Yeah. There are a couple of cuts and edits that they did. They did a the original release was so badly damaged and degraded, they actually reprinted it not long after the movie, and that one tended to fare better for right what we see now so the likelihood of what we're watching now is the reprint right but there was that one then there was the technicolor one that was done mm -hmm. then there was a full speaking one that was done but that was reshot in i want to say 29 they reshot an entire one and did all the talking in it as well but that never got anywhere they didn't release it to the public for some reason so i don't really know what well, happened well, to that? Was it that Lon Chaney just had like a really squeaky voice? Like just saying, <laughs> just like, All right, well, let's see. Ah! <laughs> and he just like misses lost a little bit. <laughs> Joe Pasquale. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. it. Oh, hello. <laughs> I, just don't th I don't think he would have been able to talk with all that, um, all that makeup. And speaking <laughs> of makeup, oh my God, did that man put himself. We <laughs> thought Jack Pierce was evil with the makeup and <laughs> um, he's even worse like so the eyes is, are eye caps and um, to kind of like push his eyes and bulge them out a bit but also had egg membrane round them to make them look cloudier yeah it gets worse yeah, so he also he did the tape with the nose pulled his nose back up he also used fish where is my notes he Oops. used kind of like a fish scale or something like the scale of the fish over the top to give it texture he must have been absolutely fucking stinking i also heard he put little uh metal pyramid type things yes. inside of his nostrils to give them that really strange shape they mean the discomfort oh god yeah and he but did that to himself fantastic. yeah he did his own makeup though didn't yeah. he yeah. it was yeah. and it wasn't revealed so he he didn't have a great time with the director is it uh, Rupert Julian? Yes. Um, they did not get on at all because obviously Lon Chaney had such a vision and he didn't want to reveal himself until the scene with um, Mary Philbin when she finally turns him around. That was going to be everyone's first reaction and hers as well. Mm. He got his way because everyone hated the director so he ended up taking over quite a bit and he, he took over from basically from there it also said that norman kelly charged his horse at the director at rupert and knocked him over 
And he eventually just ended up walking out to where somebody else picked up the reins or Lon Chaney would pick up. But that director very much hated. And it wasn't just the cast. It was the crew as well. Apparently, it was absolutely awful to them. But he what did, did he take do? Well, like, does it say what he was doing? Was he no, like... it didn't elaborate on how bad it was. But to the point where him and Lon Chaney just stopped talking. Yeah. It's a bit hard with them silent cinema because I've got a slight obsession. And it's kind of always in the back of my mind because I used to love it as a kid. But a lot of it's lost. I think it's something like 85% of, of silent cinema is lost. So all them stories, all them anecdotes, like everything about silent film is kind of like just kind of what we see. There's no mm -hmm. like documentation of it. There's nothing. So it's kind of nice to know like about Lone Chaney. And I know he was in cinema for a little a little bit longer where it became sound and, and technical. But um, there's it's nice to know his techniques and it's still like an amazing achievement because a lot of silent is just it just isn't there anymore yeah I, I think the scariest thing is how much like sound is lost you know how like nosferatu got deliberately like destroyed and mm -hmm. stuff but it meant that we lost the soundtrack so we don't know what the music to it is mm -hmm. and like you know how just weird that is where you're just like oh hang on because because wasn't it that the the music was played separately to these yeah so yeah. they, they were projected and they played along to yeah, them so the, when that, people that was, went to watch them. So. so did this have an opera singer like when they were doing it? Because obviously, like when I watched it, I was like, oh wow, it actually has lyrics because it has like the you know the female opera singing over those scenes and stuff. And you just kind of go like, oh, that's really interesting. So they would have had a pianist playing music or whatever, or an orchestra, and then yeah, fascinating Possible. stuff. I mean, I, I watched one that was, uh, it had a soundtrack that was completely uh, mastered and made by a guy called Carl Davis. Hmm. And um, it depends on which version you watch to what you hear whilst you're watching. Because there's so many versions of the actual silent movie. And then they've taken them and some people have written their entire own scores to the entire film. Mm -hmm. So the one that I, I saw was quite beautiful like it was very similar to the hunchback which obviously was Lon Chaney, Chaney again that had a score written over the top of it that was absolutely stunning that I watched as well um but the this one they reused actually some of the hunchback set in <laughs> in this they one did well. when they're running yeah. when he's yeah when he's running they used that for her so but, but know, then they the, reused the opera house set for the remake for the, as well and everything yeah. I have I have interesting facts on that when we get to it too. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it was Play like, down. it was one of those things where they were like, they filmed it and filmed it and filmed it. And uh, when they actually started to film it, actually, when they, they actually did the first cut, they, they premiered it, it flopped, people booed it, they hated it. They then did a second premiere, they did some reshoots, did a second premiere. The second premiere, people were disgusted, they said he was too horrifying, they walked out, that it, it was having none of it. So instead of reshooting after the second one, they took one and two, spliced it together and made the version that we know now. And that's the one that nice. was open to rave reviews from all the critics and everybody. So ah, the, um, the one I watched, the one I watched today had obviously the, the colour on it. The music that was played is the only thing that kind of took us out of it. The most intense part of the movie is when she is about to turn him around and you're going to see the face and that face is it's horrifying that yeah the big <laughs> eye and um, and the music that's used doesn't build your tension doesn't yeah. help you mm -hmm. get into it doesn't help and, and then when it's all revealed the music is still at the same level so you're not there's no grandeur to it and that was the only 
criticism I had of that movie because that's everything what, else was just perfect. That's what makes a movie for me because I mm-hmm. had a DVD of it and it was it's a band called Switchblade Symphony, mm-hmm. which is yeah. this like little goth band who I absolutely love, and and that makes a film. Yes, it's, it's not. It's it's just a it's just a um, album. It's not it's not curated. It's not um, mixed for it, but it just really works well with the film and mm-hmm. I think it's an amazing thing to do now because I went to the Tyneside Cinema to see The Cabinet of Dr. Calgary with this synth, is it synth? That's music, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I believe so. And it was just a guy in the front like <laughs> and I was like, I'll pay 30 odd quid to watch a Just to see you go. <laughs> <laughs> but it like, it gives a different depth to this film, yeah. to to silent films and I, I think it is I watched one where it was like twinkle and little like yeah. music and it doesn't give you the same like you it know just, like I was I was in it like I was generally in this film like I am like I'm I'm committed and I'm like getting to like get get some feeling out of it and then there was just the music just wasn't helping us get to where I kind of knew I should be given what I'm watching the best part for me it's tough though because the fact is with all these soundtracks like loads of people have made their own i remember that there's an amazing uh like dracula soundtrack uh, which is done by philip glass and i've forgotten who it is i think it's uh uh, is it apocalyptima you know basically where it's like four yeah yeah and and it's just this thing of just going this is brilliant like it's so creepy and obviously they did they did it so basically hey press play on this album as the film is playing oh, and it like has that. all of the scenes and loads of people have been doing that for silent movies and stuff. I mean, um, like, you know, they're not my favorite, but the, the Pet Shop Boys did a bizarre soundtrack for um, Battleship Potemkin where, and obviously it sounds <laughs> like the Pet Shop Boys and it's very odd that they chose this. I mean, obviously I watched the Phantom of the Opera yesterday with uh, Have a Cheeky Holiday playing in the background by the Cheeky Girls, <laughs> which oddly fit perfectly. I don't know what you're talking about, Sammy, but, you know, it's just like... Beautiful. That is beautiful music really to go to a mood. beautiful movie. Yeah, but, but it, it's like, I think that's that weird thing of when something is a classic, people find their way to enjoy it. So yeah. even if the music isn't good on these things, there's someone out there who will have gone, I fixed it. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, okay. I want to watch it now. Now that I've seen it, I want to watch it now with the Switchblade Symphony one mm. that Michaela's got I because I feel like I would <laughs> give it to us tomorrow. Um, <laughs> it would, I just feel like it would it would make it even more special because I really fucking enjoyed it. Um, the bit that really unsettled us was when they switched to Technicolor Mm-mm. And it is the masquerade part where he comes down in all red and he's got the big skeleton not technical mask. Though. It's, it's I don't know if it is it's a different technique. I don't know if they colored the cells, but there's a lot I of silent did, films yeah. where they like cell by cell, they'll paint them. Yeah, oh I think that's what they do. It's not like a technique that shines over it. It's like an old silent film thing where the so I don't know if you've seen that's the just made it feel like, like even more like wow spins in the dress. <laughs> Uh-huh. It's an old like short and like it goes to different colours and and that's basically what they do. I think don't like don't I might that be is, wrong. If but that's right, that's themselves. That's amazing because the colour is just it's I, I say a technicolor because it's the only thing I could think that it would be 
for that time and um, but that scene them colors the woman who's walking up the stairs with the long train and as she yeah. turns around has the most amazing outfit on ever like i was in it wasn't a dress it was a like a holder in, a, in some shorts and i was like oh my god but when he graces that screen and you see that mask and you like you are in his face i was really unsettled but at the same time i'm like it's fucking beautiful it's that thing of like how how it escalates like it's it's you know you know the obviously the story with rocky horror what they were going to do with rocky horror where it was going to be black and white until frank appears yeah. and uh, it's on all of the extras where it's going to be black and white but then the only color in the whole film would be frank's lips when he turns around and then that would extend to the yeah. whole thing and then color would come into it and it feels like this where the whole film's been black and white or like monotone color so it's basically like you know it's different for mine it was green when he's like speaking to christine i had green the thing. Yeah. but then a documentary i was watching on it had it in purple so it seems to be that every version goes ah, we will put whatever color we want on but then with this one where it kind of goes oh it's a party suddenly full color and you're like yeah. whoa that's it really punches and i mean i i don't know if i should save this for later but it's like i think the best thing about this film is that it keeps escalating it keeps getting the tension up and it mm -hmm. keeps go one-upping it's not like oh well we you know we burned ourselves out in the first act and then it just kind of mumbles on it's the fact if it goes oh here's the monster here he is scarier now he's the red death now there's color now there's this and then the the costume like the last time well no not the last time we see him but where we see him on top of the building at the end mm -hmm. and he's got the and it's like him combined with a uh, red death costume like combined with the wind and the statue and you're like that is terrifying that mm -hmm. is one of the most iconic villain looks i think i've ever seen uh, yeah it's just it, it's so good it's, the build up throughout the film it's, and it's to do that with color especially you know it's mm -hmm. like I love the fact that on the last scene when he's on the um, in the carriage, his face is just completely different. Like because obviously his mouth has moved a bit more, and he's you know he looks like the Smiler Man. That's yeah. all I'm getting from it is the Smiler Man when I'm looking at him. But that end is scene that from um, um, is that what's from the Smiler Man? Uh, London uh, mid Lon London after midnight. Is that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's Lon Chaney again. Yep. Yeah, and it's the inspiration. <laughs> the Man of a Thousand Faces. That's oh, right. That's right. right. I get you. Um, didn't recognise him when I went on Wikipedia today, and saw his picture. Didn't think that was him. Well, he's dead. There's a mm, bit of a very much, <laughs> very very much um, <laughs> dust. Yeah, we talk it. about oh, it's an urn. Yeah. <laughs> talk about like his costumes, but I think the the first one where he's wearing his mask, yes, it's terrifying. It is. It's very much like. Uh, you know, like um, the looks like a fucking baby. It just looks like a baby's head. You it know the like... the prosthetics they would have on um, men who went to war and, and yeah. had disfigurement, and they would have these like mm. it kind of looks like that. I have no idea if it ever was inspired by that. And then like just the sheet kind of whistling. Yeah, the sheet. Talking. Yeah, I didn't get the sheet. I, didn't, I think I didn't that was just. That. You know how his top lips quite. Yeah. yeah. Prominent. I think it was probably a trick to just hide that for the the, the reveal. I don't oh, think it maybe right. was necessary. It, I didn't find anywhere that said that they had to extend the mask to hide it, but it, it makes sense that that's what they. Well, were that's how to we do. would think about how he's looking at it as well. Like he wants this. This reveal is everything to the point where nobody has seen it 
until they are going to shoot it. So the reaction that you're getting from Mary Philbin is is her first reaction. And I know I, I found this movie to actually have some quite hilarious gestures in it. <laughs> Very um, much. That I could not. It, it's the eyes. Um, the uh, this the the guy um who helps Raúl. Um, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but his eyes when they're kind of like he's, how he gestures with them. But what I did learn is why Lon Chaney is so good. It was so good at silent movies, and how he gestured to people was because he had he lived with two deaf parents, and he had to gesture to communicate like he had to like use his whole body to communicate with his parents and that just i actually got a bit emotional while i was reading it i was like oh my gosh that's so sweet (laughs) (laughs) it's crazy isn't it i didn't know that about him at all it's like but then you kind of just go whoa that makes sense like why he was such a master at like this like Mm -hmm. mannerisms throughout the whole film like are it just see it feels weird that you know, you know, you know how I feel about Claude Rains. Like, you know, we oof. we do. But it's the the idea <laughs> of like, you know, I really respect him as an actor. But Lon Chaney just blows him out of the water as Phantom, mm-hmm. and he doesn't say a word. And you just kind of go, that speaks to you about how good Lon Chaney's like physical acting is. It's yeah. Well, 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 the that, Chaney... How creepy is that costume though? The when it looks like he's just got like a baby's head, or like, it, <laughs> but it's yeah. so uncanny valley. It's so incredibly uncanny valley that it actually adds to the horror rather than being silly. That yeah. I think it would be in any other context. You'd be like, why are you? You, you know how Michael Myers, the mask is bloody a burnt William Shatner one. Uh, yeah. And that kind of adds to the mystique a bit. This feels like that, where it's like, what the hell are you Where did you doing? get that? Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, the Lon Chaney one, when it was released at the box office on the third incarnation of itself, it took $2 million in 1925. $2 million, which wow. when I converted it, because, you know, I like doing that stuff, <laughs> it worked out at what would be considered as a royal flop these days in movies it only took 35 million in today's standards so that movie would have fallen on its butt today yeah which two million in 1925 is probably one of the biggest grossing movies ever i didn't look Mm -hmm. that up don't don't come for me (laughs) that's wrong but yeah by today's standard 35 million is not a movie that would be considered a blockbuster by any standards. No. Well, what was the what was the profit margin though? Because obviously, like you know, yes, it only earned two million or thirty five million nowadays. But movies nowadays, they're like, oh, this only cost four hundred million to produce, and you're like, <laughs> and then we spend three hundred million on marketing. And you're like, a, how do you do that? I don't know that. But <laughs> you know? I do know that the Phantom on Broadway cost eight million to produce in nineteen eighty six. Which by today's money is twenty and well, a half million. Bloody hell. To produce Jesus. one show. That that was because the chandelier that they had made for the Broadway version was Swarovski Crystals. Jesus. <laughs> they spared <laughs> <Why? laughs> um, Hold on, isn't so... Andrew Lloyd Webber straight? <laughs> <laughs> he did marry Sarah Brightman. Let's be honest. Oh, Come on now. Yeah. Halfway there. Um <laughs> but it's... <laughs> Debatable. I think you get an honorary medal. You'd be like, "Here's your beard, and one for her." Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let's put a little little question mark next to that. One. Yeah, but it's this thing of going, a straight man doesn't spend that much money no. on swatches. <laughs> I can't even say Shafar. Shafar. It's going to be broken as well. Um. Well, 
the going back to the where they filmed it, they filmed it on Soundstage Twenty Eight. Yeah, which at the time was the biggest soundstage of Universal Studios. Yep, um, and was also used for the Claude Rains. They just replicated. Obviously, it made well, sense. Apparently, it was around until like like the two thousands. Twenty fifteen. Yeah, and you're like, whoa. And, <laughs> and it like... is actually still a bit there. It's the can't. There's a bit that they can't get rid of. Now, this is what really interested <laughs> us, and I couldn't find a lot more on it. But there is still a bit there. There is still a part of it there because, and it's the oldest live the oldest prop replica or um what did they say standing interior film set sorry that's that is eight decades old and it's the oldest one in the world and there's a part of it that they can't get rid of because workers who have gone in there have found that lon cheney's ghost is haunting it and they won't remove it <laughs> that's the, yeah. that is the urban legend oh good that they won't remove it because lon, lon cheney's ghost has told them get out <laughs> <laughs> Well, he hasn't. He's gestured accordingly. <laughs> He's just pointed. Like, no. Don't be squalling. Hello. Oh my gosh! It's so weird seeing my sex face on someone else. Oh my. Um, God. <laughs> but yeah, that was the, that was the bit I found out about the soundstage. So, 2015, they took down the majority of it, but there is a part of it that's still there, and I think that's probably Universal's way of just like, oh, just. We've got a bit of history there, basically. Yeah. I, I think it'd be wrong to get rid of it entirely because it's just... We, we've got to respect our history, I think, especially with cinema. Well, it sort uh, of goes along the lines of, like, the original Phantom thing in the in the respect of that they're... If that's the case, they are respecting Lon Chaney. With the original uh, book that was written, um, they based it on a true story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honest to God, um, the the research the, the research most I've done, haunted uh, true story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mary and her dickhead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> basically, what happened was they built um, an, a massive opera house, which is the one that they use for the for the thing, the Opera Garnier, I think it's called in Paris, um, and it's based on a guy called Eric. Now, Eric isn't called Eric in the Lon Chaney ones, but he is. Going forward after that, but um, Eric. It is mentioned the name Eric. It is just in the title cards, but he is titled as the Phantom. And it's a bit weird that he's called Eric, and it seems a bit underwhelming for like a Phantom. Yeah, it's something like I used to be called Eric. (laughs) (laughs) In the story, basically, he was born and he was given up and abandoned because of his look. and then he was taken in by a circus uh, and then he was mistreated. So he ran away from the circus and he ended up becoming like a, a jestery entertainer for um, a Persian Shah who then took him under his wing because he loved him so much because he made him laugh all the time. He then got him to uh, a, a little job working with the art- architects in the, the Persian Shah's harem thing. Um, so he ended up. I hope he learning... wasn't washing up. Well, you never know. <laughs> he was learning how to design buildings. So he came back to Paris, and the guy that was building the opera house technically said, "This is like I say, this is all loosely learnt." But he took Eric on to because he saw his designs and absolutely thought they were absolutely spectacular. Took Eric on. Eric was responsible for building the opera house as we see it today. Mm-hmm. Um, but he insisted that they 
let him live in the lower sub levels when he was done because he fell in love with it so much um and he said his only payment was to be able to live there and to be able to have box number five as his private it's box and he would go up and down in his own little secret yeah. chamber to get in and out of that and no one else was to use box number five and that is the the loose true story of how the phantom was written because uh gaston larue was actually a an investigative journalist he wasn't a, a book writer he wasn't a just a, a fictional writer he was a, an investigative journalist so this is where yeah. this came from but if, if to all accounts and purposes he was terrible everybody said the man was absolutely ridiculously bad at writing and it was the only reason this took off was because carl lamele went Lame. over to yeah see that one went over to <laughs> went over to paris met gaston gaston sold the rights to the book to universal which then created the first movie wow so, um well speaking of carl lemley his niece carla lemley is actually in the first movie and it was the up until 2010 was the last surviving cast member of the original phantom of the opera she was a ballerina dancer prima ballerina wow. at a very very young age um but oh, the, something else i wanted to I've did she run on Duracell? Jesus Christ! Must have, absolutely must have. Um, how crazy is that though? Like that, is, I I didn't realize any of that backstory. Because is that from the original novel? Mm -hmm. That yeah, that is from the yeah. the Gaston Larue's uh, investigative journalist that <laughs> they then made into a novel of a novel of a musical of a horror of a novel of a musical of a Broadway musical movie. <laughs> Yes. So it's basically when you see based on a true story. <laughs> we just need to question all that now, do we, from now on? Yeah. It's like, like, um... like dare, dare we say it, the bloody Conjuring yeah. movies. Oh, God, don't. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't we'll have, get we'll me have... started, Sally. <laughs> you have me on those that. episodes. <laughs> there will be another time and place for that. i tell you what I did find funny on the Claude Rains one. When they mentioned box number five, the, the previous owners were not, they didn't give a shit. They were like, yeah, just don't go into box number five. We've clearly known about this for a very long time. We don't care. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> very much so. Yeah. Um, I, I quite like it, though. Did you, like, it, it has this wonderful, I don't know, like, it just, it feels very odd that the remake feels like a remake we get nowadays, where you just yeah. go, yeah. I think you missed the point. It so and it's kind grand. of good see like in a way all the comedy in it just falls flat and i felt really awkward around it like isn't it uh, you know there's the guy who keeps making a joke about the, oh. the phantom having a beard and stuff and you're like this doesn't land at any no. point but it keeps but rolling with it and i've he, seen shows like that you know um i do them uh, <laughs> he you know, did it's... give me he did give me my the fa my favorite line of the whole movie is i don't <laughs> like ghosts I'm a busy man. Yeah. <laughs> and I wrote it down as it was said. I was like, what? Um, I have quite a few things on on this, on the 1943 one. Mm. Um, especially about, it's something that we've talked about before, is Jack P. Pierce's makeup. And Claude Rains only accepted the part on the condition that he would not be overdone with disfiguration. So that meant Jack Pierce was not allowed to go full 
Wolfman on him and Frankenstein. And that's the only reason he took the part. And it makes perfect sense because when they do the reveal of his face, it is one of the most fucking dissatisfying pancake on his face. It's like he's got a, he's got a red mark on his eye. And it's like, what? That's meant to like after what I've just watched with Lon Chaney, that's meant to scare me. Are you crazy? Just, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> just get some cream, love. Just yeah. I'll clear it right up. You'll be yeah. fine. Get the some woman. Le Mare, you know, fancy. <laughs> Oil of Oulé. Well, the woman who threw the acid on him, Jesus Christ, that scene was hilarious. She just had this bucket of acid and went, and then just stood there and went. (laughs) I did notice. She paused. She wasn't even bothered about helping the guy that he just strangled on the floor. He just just murdered in front of her. She's literally standing with this peel just going, "Mm mm-hmm. To be fair. Just threw acid on you. She's been waiting for that moment for so long and she didn't think about the follow-through. She's like, one day I'll get to throw acid on someone. And then she's like, right, what now? It just felt like, with this one, it felt like they were trying to get so far away from the aesthetic that they had with, you know, their other previous monster movies. This felt like something, I don't know, like, I almost want, like, like a Ziegfeld. I was expecting girls with like feathers and shit to be coming on that stage. It was so grand. I was like, wow. Was and nineteen forty three, right? Wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was that not like <clears throat> wartime? Just mm-hmm. something fun, you know, something big, fancy, like was that kind of the point like, of it? Well, wasn't it wasn't it something where Universal stopped doing monster movies when the war came because they were like nobody wants doom and gloom or horror stuff? Oh, and then sense. I I wonder if there was like stuff like that because that whole period in cinema they're like we need to kind of make things a bit propaganda yeah or we need to make things a bit like happy escape from the fact your whole family's probably just died mm. um, yeah that would make sense but uh, the the whole film though I've just realised it now it feels like the Joel Schumacher Batman films you know after you've had like the Tim Burton Batman films and then they just went let's do a change of pace and you're like. Why is everything neon? You know, like why? Yeah. Why is Arnold Schwarzenegger Mister Freeze? <laughs> you know, and it's just that, that whole thing. Still just asking like, years later, why is there so many nipples? Yeah. <laughs> but but it, it feels like that. Well, obviously, there's been a decision to be like, no, no, let's make it more lighthearted and let's make it tell the same story, but then not have any of the like visual depth well no yeah i don't know like tension you know no it didn't it was too light it was too bright that's it was so bright a lot of it is genuinely because back then they held so much stock in the star of the movie it was they got what they wanted they got to do what they needed to do uh regardless that was Mm -hmm. the thing so at this point we know that claude has come off the back of doing um invisible man and that was a massive success and yeah. obviously in between then and that uh, invisible man and and uh phantom. the phantom yeah went blank then um he um he won two oscars or he's nominated for two oscars it was one or the other he either won them or nominated for them so he had delusions of grandeur going into this movie but he had it going into the invisible man as well because he landed the star and he's always got i love claude rains i really do i have i feel like me and graham could start the fan club because of just how i just have such I have a feeling there might already be one well, <laughs> there let's is join. somewhere in the world let's join let's i just join. i have such appreciation for him but he had such a chip on his shoulder even mm. before 
he got to where he is in Phantom. Yeah, and I mean, it's weird though when like, why would you go? Yes, I'll do that role. Oh, it's a role about someone who's horrendously ugly. Well, don't put me in makeup then. You'd be like, hang on, <laughs> you know. Like... You had you had Jack Pierce, who yes, his methods may be a bit harsh, but he would he would have he would have done something special with that. Like he, if he's looking at Lon Chaney and he's looking to see where we can go, where what we can do different, how can we? He would have done so much more. But to give him that. Oh, it's terrible! Doesn't it? Doesn't it just show, really, as the, the compare contrast of how amazing and Launchini is? Because even today, mm. you're watching a movie like a big movie that I always use as an example is like The Last Samurai, where it's like Tom Cruise and he's like, "I'm a samurai," and he's got these like giant white <laughs> pearly teeth, and I'm like, "You know, samurai, I love you, Tom Cruise." Like, <laughs> you just can't like. It's so hard to watch a film now, and you're like, "Oh, there's Tom," like there's. There's a dis- that disconnect of like I'm watching an actor because they're so known. We know so the face. They want the face to look good. You know mm-hmm. the, the you know they want to be the shining star. The, the won't go in depth. A lot of them do. Some of them do. Charlie Theron, like um, Jake Gyllenhaal, and like Stalker. You know there's there's <laughs> examples. But Lon Chaney like just w- didn't care. It wasn't the image. It wasn't the look. He didn't care what he looked like. Yeah, I don't know act. if it's like a to to a movie star, to a character actor. I don't know if that's kind of the argument, but We've he had just, it before. He needed it to be the most grotesque, mm-hmm. like crazy looking thing, and that's why for over a hundred years and a hundred years more, we're going to be talking about yeah what he looked yeah. like and how incredible his performance was in it because and- the vanity is not there. Exactly. Well, I, I, I think I think the problem with The Phantom is you couldn't remake this movie. You couldn't do a movie of The Phantom because it's so muddy now. Mm-hmm. Like, the, there'd be so many people that would go in and hate it because they're like, I thought it would be like the musical where mm-hmm. he's actually beautiful under the mask or, or only one side of his face is hurt kind mm-hmm. of thing. You know, like, like the, um, you know, the, the very plain Claude Rains makeup. But it's like if you did it, think about what you could do with like um like Two Face in uh Batman That one. The the yeah. Dark Knight, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was, I, not Batman. Batman Begin, went completely not, blank, yeah. Yeah. Batman okay. two? <laughs> yeah, Batman two. Um, but no, like with that where you can actually see through like the, the missing skin and whatnot, and you could you could make the Phantom absolutely horrible, regardless of what origin story that you go with him. But I think it would bomb. I think people would just be like, oh, he's too ugly. Or, oh, we saw him too soon. We saw him too late. You know. Yeah, you never thought you would get it right. So I I think it's good that we can enshrine this Lon Chaney version and just be like, that's the Phantom of the Opera. I was trying to look into the Dark Universe because obviously, as we talk about all of these, they Mm. were in that phase where they were going to remake them all. um, And obviously, the Smine Smology Jesus um bombed everything with the thank god for him thank you um and i just i just in that lineup that he did that but the lineup if you look at the lineup of the the new rat pack that they were calling them at the time mm. not one of them would have been character dedicated like lon i mean you're mm-hmm. looking at someone like jim carrey you're looking at um character actors that give everything regardless of how they look they don't mm-hmm. care that you're 
you're not there for the box office numbers because you're a pretty boy. You're there because you make them laugh or you, you commit fully to the characters or, you know, you go all in. And mm -hmm. I was trying to see who they had and not one of those guys, not one would have pulled it off. I think Jim Carrey would have made it too comical, but yeah. he's the only person that I can compare that off I the top of my head that I, th I think would have been able to give it that level of commitment that it's needed. Yeah. See, I, I I had hopes for Jim Carrey. Uh, no, no, I had hopes for um, Johnny Depp. And he was going to be playing the Invisible Man, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it was. Yeah. I, I kind of hopes for that. But the problem with Johnny Depp is he's got four voices. Now, I only have two, but <laughs> I'm not a professional actor. But it's more the idea of going, I think he probably would have sold it. Yeah. But, and you a know. stretch. If, if, we were, gonna, if we're always... If we're always going to compare to Claude Rains as the Invisible Man and not Vincent Price's incredible, because they're obviously very two different voices, I think yeah. Johnny wouldn't have, I don't think he would have fallen yeah. in it for me at all. I, I think he would have been good said in that voice. cast, but like, I yeah, don't think it would have suited the Invisible Man. Oh, so. yeah, did, yeah, no, definitely. The Ed, I think the Edward voice would have worked for mm. the Invisible Man, but it had it to be a bit more hysterical because he is very like he's very up there. Did anyone notice his um Claude Rains's very hysterical screaming after the acid? <laughs> and did it not bring you right back to Invisible Man? Because <laughs> it did with me. Oh, no. He was like, oh, I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> certain memories of a certain screaming woman. You yeah, mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I was just expecting him as he flung the door open going, you fools. And <laughs> it, it did not happen. Do you want to see me now? Do you? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> hey, not, you know who I am? <laughs> he was more scary and disfigured than the invisible man and we couldn't see him. Um, I did hear a very lovely story about Jack Pierce um, with one of the main actresses so he wasn't assigned to beauty makeup that wasn't what he was there to do he was there to do claude reigns but he he <laughs> really oh that sounds out of a job spec but uh, yeah. i'll take but he, um, it he really, he really helped one of the main actresses she was struggling with because i think the actresses had to do their own makeup and there was she was struggling a lot with it and he would shout at her in quotation marks, he'd be going, no, you're doing that wrong. And then he would go over to her and says, I just had to do that to get to you without them being an arsehole about it. And he helped her. And he then said, you need to pass this on to. And so that's why they, their makeup looks amazing is because he give them beauty lessons and she <laughs> passed it on to the whole female crew. And I just wanted to tell a story because Jack Pierce, we give him a lot of shit for what he did to Lon Chaney Jr., and I thought that was such a sweet story of him. Speaking of Lon Chaney Jr. <laughs> um, Larry the Lurker. Larry yeah. the Lurker. Oh, Larry. The, the original plan for the 1943 film was going to be vehicled around Abbott and Costello with Lon Chaney Jr. playing the Phantom. So they had Daddy and they had the son. But obviously that got scrapped. There was four times they tried to remake this between 1925 and 1943. Bloody hell. This is my favourite part, and I've been yeah. waiting for this all night. I've got it written down because I know what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first one was going to be with Cesar Romero as Raul, and you guessed it. Yep. Everyone's Boris Karloff <laughs> as the Phantom. Yep. <laughs> Michaela looks confused. It's a running joke. Boris Karloff has been offered every single Universal monster role yeah. or anybody else. Yeah, so he and, it, and every time he's turned it down and gone, 
Nah. And Claude Rains just comes scooping nah. on in. <laughs> I'll take that. Hello, you fools. I heard there was a job <laughs> opening. Let's see. Let's There's see. a park here. It's for me, isn't it? <laughs> it? It also is the only Universal Monster movie to win two Oscars. One yes. for art direction and cinematography. And I fully agree with it because mm. it is a beautiful looking film. It is stunning, but it's just missing so much, especially when I watched the 25 one first and then that. And I was like, whoa, this is this is this is something. It, it's just dungeons. not a horror film. It's just yeah. not a horror film by any stage. No. There's no, there's no tension. There's no like horror. There's no sort of yeah. Like even the are there any deaths in it? Like, yeah, and not I don't. Just, I can't remember the um the first one. The hanging isn't there? Well, no. In the in the first one, there's literally just the uh, what is it? The phantom just kills people, and you're like, oh, it's like a lot of people die from the chandelier, and it's very yeah. clear about it. I didn't get um, a body count on this one. Yeah, he literally hangs like one of the stagehands and stuff. That's what I was and waiting he... for. Did I must yeah. blink? I think he does. I saw a clip. Isn't he like someone's pretending to be him? I don't know if they actually go through it. Like, I I I just had to see clips of it because I couldn't get the whole film. I think I I feel like I saw that. Did I blink? Um, but the 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 most brutal really death memorable is, film. <laughs> uh, I, it was hard work. The most brutal death is Lon Chaney's in the first, in the twenty five one. It's when so the end, isn't he? When the crowd of what are they called? Like with the pitchforks and the lynch thing? mob, lynch yeah. mob, yeah. <laughs> and they, you can. Do you know what the worst thing is for a movie that has no sound? I felt every thump of them yeah. hitting them with clubs and then just prolong them in, just. Yeah, get in. it's it's a brutal death. Like it's mm-hmm. this whole thing. Like you know, what does Claude Rains get? Oh, now the ceiling's falling in. Oh <laughs> my god, they shot it. One guy shot Somebody a gun at the ceiling. Somebody oh, you know, and it's that just was like pathetic. Like that is. He that didn't is survive. But his violin survived completely intact, and his mask actually lying together beautifully. And yeah, he, there was. And it kind of spoils it, the fact of you're going into the violin thing, and it's that b- bit of his backstory annoys me, where they've kind of gone like, you know, oh, you're a violinist, oh, but you've got, um, you know, oh, you've got arthritis, therefore you can't play anymore, oh, that was your only source of income, oh, now you've, you know, then you get splashed by acid, oh, now you live in the, in, un- well, in the crypt, basically. And it's this whole thing of just going, I don't know, I feel kind of sorry for him. Yeah. But then... I don't because he's actually creepy as fuck. <laughs> and it, you know, that thing where just going, the whole thing is kind of taking away all of his agency and making him a lot less scary. Yeah. But then he's still not likable. <laughs> no, just like, okay. I, I said to when I came out, I went, the, I said, the 25 one with Lon Chaney, I absolutely, Michaela's on a walk. I said, I, I absolutely, I my doggie. <laughs> um, I said, I absolutely loved it. Um, I said, the Claude Rains one, meh. But I went, do you know what? As an actual character, he's a bit of a bastard. Mm-hmm. Like, and it comes straight off the offset. You don't get that so much with the Claude Rains one straight away. He comes across as very care and he, you know, he takes great pride in what he does and he, he cares a lot for Christine and he just wants the best for her. It then waits until the acid turn where he turns into this creepy asshole. But you get the, the creepiness straight away from Lon Chaney. Mm. It's like, I'm going to give you everything that you've not asked for, by the way, but I am going to expect everything in return. Yeah. And it really got to me. 
it's a dialogue as well where he just goes i'm your master and you're like <gasps> okay know. like if someone the... said that to me i'd put me fist through the face <laughs> that, that's it but but it's the fact of like even when he's like oh well um you know okay i will let you go free i will let you go free you can appear like you know you can go back up to the opera but i shall always be your master and you're like this is you know creepy by today's standards but even back then it probably would have been like Kind of horrifying, I think, to think yeah. that you know it's you were bound to this horrible word to use. creature. Anth called me um, "good girl" once, and he decked him, and he floored him. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of horror, I don't know how many of you actually know this, but in 1989, there was a version of the Phantom of the Opera made um, as a horror movie, and mm. the Phantom was played by Robert England. No, really, I've not heard about this. I watched the first sixteen minutes of it before I had to turn it off because it was garbage. But mm -hmm. still, it had That's Bill Nighy in it. Bill Nighy's in it, uh, and Molly Shannon. If you know who she is from Saturday mm -hmm. Night Live, yeah, yeah, she's in it, and she's only about I want to say sixteen, Head? seventeen <laughs> in it. Um, but it is basically the opening scenes are you see. Robert, not Robert yet, but you see him getting pieces of flesh out of these jars and sewing them onto his face and then stage makeuping the the scars to look like an actual face. And when you see him, he looks like um I can't even explain it. He's very it's kind of like that, but with a very box square chin and, as opposed to the very long one. <laughs> yeah, and and like long blonde hair in a ponytail there's flashbacks from the 80s to the 1800s um and i just sat there and i was like uh no 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 no, no, no. no. i'm interested to see it to be fair <laughs> really if you can give it a go do it by all means but like for me 16 minutes was the max i could tolerate it and i was like where's it available <laughs> uh, every well, I found it on the naughty stick, but um, you can get it on the naughty stick. I didn't know that did movies. <laughs> um, they, I think you can find it if you look hard enough. It'll appear somewhere, I imagine. This is but... one movie where Hammer Horror have done their own version, as we find with a lot of the universe. <laughs> They've never Monsters. done that. <laughs> Hammer they, Horror. They haven't. They didn't do Man, did they? They didn't do Invisible Man, and they didn't do Creature from the Black Lagoon, but they have done their own. And uh, from what I didn't watch it, it's from 1962, and it uh, stars Herbert Lom, Lom as um, the Phantom. From what I saw, it didn't look too bad. Mm. Like, from some clips I saw from it, I was like, well, that's actually, that that had more potential for me, just from a few clips I saw, than what I saw of the whole Claude Rains movie. Yeah. So I was like, hmm, interesting. Do you know yeah. how the they did um so they're kind of doing modern takes of it now so i know they were trying to do the universe again but they've kind of done a little so like the invisible man they did a really amazing modern take on that where it was with elizabeth moss mm -hmm. and i don't know if and i think like the mummy with brendan fraser you know action adventure obviously different a big um, time period but could you see a modern version of the fan of the opera take Everything from the music took all of that side of it. I don't think you could see it. You know, like, um, um, what's a creature battle game? What's it called? The new one? Oh, Shape of Water. Yeah. You know, like these adaptations that are so beautiful and amazingly built. I just don't know if you could take the Phantom and put him in something new. I think he's too cartoonish. 
Well, that's where I think Graham had the point of how they've romanticised him through the years to make him more palatable for the audience to look at. Because if you look at the 2004 Broadway to movie version that they did... Which, which you is, watched. I did not. I watched clips because oh, I, 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 can only tolerate, I can only tolerate warbling for so long. I, <laughs> I was trained as an opera singer when I was 15. And I used to be a soprano, but I cannot stand... It's got to a point now for me, it's like a, I don't know what they call it, a misphonia thing. I'm like, oh, I can't stand it. But she, uh, in that movie, it was directed by Joel Schumacher, Lost Boys, Batman. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and uh, basically they cast Gerard Butler. Yes. As the Phantom. <laughs> oh, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's yeah. yeah. first choice for an ugly human. Can't sing for Toffee. <laughs> if you listen to it back, it's the most atrocious singing you've ever heard. Um, mm. And then... You've got Patrick Wilson from The Conjuring, who played that, Raoul. That blew um, my mind. That one he floored me because the guy can sing really, really well. Now, bearing in mind, Gerard Butler was 34 when he was cast. Uh, Patrick Wilson was 30. And they cast Emily Rossum uh, in the part of Christine. And she was only 17. Mm. And then Creepy you've got Hollywood. That, Creepy Hollywood vibe between like Gerard Butler and a seventeen-year-old, a thirty-four-year-old man and a seventeen-year-old woman that are supposed to be in love. I don't, I didn't watch. Like I say, I've never seen the Broadway slash West End version. I know what happens. I know there's lots of songs from it because I had to learn them myself, so I know <laughs> them. But it's creepy. <sighs> Yeah, creepy is one of the words. Creepy, I would use. creepy. Obviously, you've got the creepy aspect of the actual story, and then the creepy aspect of the actual casting. Took but, me okay. a long. Oh god, god. No, sorry, I was going to say gonna... the other choices for Gerard Butler's part were quite shockingly. Boris Karloff. Looking at Jim Henson's creature work. Oh, my name is Matthew McConaughey. No. Heath Ledger. Um, Meatloaf. Uh, Meatloaf. Wow. Been horrible but amazing. Yeah. Um they'd actually written in in theory, they'd written this for Antonio Banderas, but Antonio could only do a version on Broadway in the end. He couldn't film the film, so they let him do a couple of nights at Broadway. Sam that you love. Yeah, it's the Andrew Andrew Lloyd Webber's um birthday party and it was Antonio Banderas and Sarah Brightman singing fan I love well, absolute confession <laughs> me and Sam absolutely love the musical and love Andrew Lloyd Webber I'm sorry thanks for killing me on that one Honestly, musicals I don't have an issue with I don't I love music I've, I've seen loads for me I have a a, a, tol- a weird tolerance with opera singing it's like I find it absolutely beautiful and the people that can do it I have so much time and admiration for but I can't listen to two hours of somebody going it's like I I just it I have a I have a medical condition where I only uh, can listen to good musicals Um, (laughs) but the the weirdest part the one that creeps me out the most the ick factor of who they were going to cast in the 2004 version um, was uh, John Travolta Oh, no, no. <laughs> we, we've seen um yeah he can't sing no yeah any, you know any <laughs> no, role no he can't yeah That's... it's like <laughs> the, the phantom is a very difficult part and you're just sitting there like this isn't grease love this no. isn't you know <laughs> but i mean gerald's mask went on ebay as well gerard, gerard butler's mask went on ebay for only six thousand four hundred and fifty pounds 
Well, like we could have they... chipped in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like that gives you an idea of how good I think yeah. the film was. But I think it, was it got such like a 20... flop. Like twenty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes was. Did you really buy that? I honestly thought it did well. I I remember when it came out, and like I didn't go and see it, but like mates who were massive sort of like uh, you know West End Wendy's. Yeah, yeah. they went and they were like, "Well, that was awful." Like you know, like everything about it they didn't like, and it's a real shame, you know, because obviously it could have been a home run if it had been like done appropriately. But even the people who like loved the musical were just like, "How did you get to this?" You know. Michaela's seen it in Broadway in New York. Yeah, yeah. I bet it's fantastic in Great. the actual environment of uh, a, like a theatre. I bet it's absolutely amazing. Where were you sat? Because my dad always row. mentions it, the front row. That was it. Wow. That yeah, was I, bitch. <laughs> I wasn't there. It was for one of her big birthdays, and I did not go with them. 16. Because I'm an absolute <laughs> spoiled child. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've just got John Travolta in my head going, Oh, Christine. <laughs> oh, well. Wow. Wow. Was it my chair? I think that's. Whoa, Christine. I'm laughing too much that I can't do my John Travolta impression. <laughs> no, Sam, you just can't do it. That's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry. There was there was one one really ass funny bit in the Claude Rains bit that I don't think was intentionally meant to be funny. But when Raoul's getting frustrated and he's trying to look for the Phantom and there's all these people with masks on, there's two people who stand in next to him. One's got one with a point, white one with a pointy nose, and the other one has the mask on that Claude Rains is wearing. And he pulls it off the other person and not the one that looks like the Claude Rains one. <laughs> and I burst into light. <laughs> It's just like I don't you think are a rubbish me. cop. Yeah, you are so bad. <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing at it. Um, do we have any more factoids, Dan? Hey. That is a good question. Bear with me, please. Please hold. Please hold delicious. the line. I want the delicious factoids. Place them in my mouth. <laughs> Let no, me chew it, upon their facty it. goodness. It's definitely my favourite. I wouldn't say my favourite monster, but at the Universals, I have an absolute soft spot for Lone Cheney's version of it, mm-hmm. which I always think kind of gets a little bit forgotten about because people are like, I'm not going to watch a silent film. And it's like, watch oh, it. No, it's an watch incredible it. film. It's one of these ones where it does feel unfair to Lon Cheney that he's not part of the the canon as it were like you know how you know when you have the box sets for universal monsters it's he's the not on claude it. rains one and you're like no claude rains you have invisible man you stay as the invisible man lon cheney is the phantom and that that's very much how it feels with this where it's like who cares if it's a silent movie it's a better movie you know yeah um i mean what i'm thinking about is like if you remade this like I, if I remade this, I would make it horror, but I would make it very much like Black Swan with Christine. I would make it where she's not sure if the Phantom is real or not, and that yeah. she's basically getting success. She doesn't know where it comes from, and the reveal is later that actually there's yeah. someone doing all of these things. And you know where? Because obviously, it's like a you could make an amazing psychological thriller from this, where it's going. Hey, okay. Oh, the lead mysteriously falls ill all the time. Or, you know, like, oh, you know, like, oh, they still put her on anyway. And then, (laughs) you know, and stuff still happened. But then she's like, am I doing this? Am I the one? And, you know, maybe have her wondering if she's actually 
losing her mind and she's hurting people, but then it turns out, oh, there's the phantom, and then there's a big reveal there. It's, that's how I do that, it. I like um, that. I, 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 I like that. <laughs> well, speaking of copyright, um, this movie is actually in the public domain, Phantom mm-hmm. of the Opera, because they didn't um they didn't do something where they didn't renew something after 28 years, and it is actually in the public domain. There you go. That was my distribution thing. <laughs> So you didn't and... need the naughty stick after all. <laughs> I, I've got a couple of facts, but they span across all the different ones. But the musical in 1986, the first person to play the Phantom was Michael Crawford. Now, yes. Michael Crawford, for those people out there that aren't really sure, they know the name, but they're not. I'm if thinking Joan seen... Crawford in drag, sorry. <laughs> Michael Crawford was um, in a TV show in the 80s called Some Mothers Do Have Em. And he was very, oh, very Betty famous Betty. for going, oh, Betty, yeah. Oh, Betty. that's my, oh, that's I don't know, know. Like <laughs> I get uh, the names, oh. Yeah, he, oh, he was typecast as this Jim Carrey, you know, like to, to compare him to someone now. Slapstick. Slapsticky, yeah. very, like, that side of things. And uh, so it was a real shock for people to take one look at him mm, in that yeah. TV show and then put him in a seriously romantic, full operatic version of the Phantom. <laughs> I've just and got the mental image of the reveal from the Lon Chaney one, where it's just he's got his face to the camera and her behind him, and he's like, <laughs> and he's, he's oh, in Betty. his trench coat, yeah, his trench coat <laughs> is beret, yeah, oh my beret, yeah. <laughs> they, they also trolled someone just before Michael, and it was I don't know if you know the band. It depends on music. Steve Harley and the Cockney Rebel, they sung Come Up and See Me. Yeah, make, make me, me smile. smile. Oh, he yeah. he was actually cast as the original Phantom and did a music video with Sarah Brightman to do the Phantom of the Opera I as a song. It, yeah. yeah, and uh wow. basically Andrew Lloyd Webber went, Nah, this is he- you're too rocky. I don't want rock, I want opera, I want clean voice i don't want gritty and they sacked him off pretty quickly after that yeah. so because i always wonder like with him i always kind of go oh can he sing like if you hear <laughs> you know when you hear it you just go okay this is cool it sounds a bit pubby but uh you know not even in the sort of respectful rock voice you know where you're just going oh wow you've got a great set of pipes on you kind of thing he's always been one of these people where i'm like okay this is a it's a difficult part for someone like yeah. that surely could he do it is are there any recordings or anything or there's a video out there. There is, if you look hard enough, I think you can find it on YouTube. Uh, the... I want to be surprised with this one. Ah. I've always written him off and I'm just like going, no, I bet he's fucking amazing then. <laughs> but um, yeah, in the 2004 musical version of the movie, um, the Gerard Butler only speaks 14 lines in the whole thing. He only says 14 lines. 14 more than what he probably should. <laughs> yeah. I, saw, singing, I saw Jingle singing. Storm. I'll never forgive him for that. <laughs> I never forgive him for this. This is just—I <laughs> mean, I've always been a, a not necessarily a fan of his acting, but his aesthetics are pleasing to my eye. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't talk, love. But you know, <laughs> don't spoil this. Get your shirt off, love. Even yeah. even now, his mouth is moving this way on his face, and it sort of sits here. His mouth now when he talks, it's like. It... <laughs> Carol Butler. Does he turn into the kid from Family Guy? Yes. <laughs> like upside down head. Because like all of his American accents are all very much like this because he's trying to stop doing his Scottish and it's stuck to... <laughs> it's right over there. Honest you look to like you pushed up against glass, Tam. You have to do a whole podcast with that with voice now. <laughs> <laughs> I will not. Thank you. 
<laughs> but yeah, he's literally is. If you look at him now in a movie twenty years ago to where his mouth is yeah. now, and it has migrated across his face. <laughs> <laughs> honest to God, go go do some homework, people out there, and and then you can see what I mean. Oh, crazy! Also, um, the the set for the 1925 and the 1943 were both reused for Alfred Hitchcock movies as well because he was such a fan and if you go to Universal Studios and you do the tour they have a whole section dedicated to Alfred Hitchcock which I don't think he deserves as a person as a movie maker yes as a person get fucked Mm -hmm. Uh, um he his that he he was so determined to to use these bits of history because it said that it brought him happiness and it brought him um he it like he thought it was good luck it was like a good luck charm for him mm-hmm. so yeah he was he was tapped anyway as we all know <laughs> so <laughs> it's one of those ones where you have to separate the art and artist with Hitchcock he has to go, be for me yeah. because great work I am, but dick <laughs> yeah I am a I am a Hitchcock movie fan. Yeah. Not a Hitchcock fan. I'm a Hitchcock movie fan. If you want to see, um, you will never be able to see Lon Chaney's makeup in it because it's still out there. The prosthetics and everything's still out there. And it is at the Smithsonian. It's very much under lock and key. But if you want to actually just see for yourself how it looks today, Mark Gatiss did an amazing documentary, three-part documentary on the history of horror um, going from starting actually from the 20s going up to today um covering all elements of it's fantastic it's on youtube very easy to get a hold of and he is given the privilege to see the eyes the face the um you know when they do the impression of the kind of like yeah. do you know you know what i mean like a face yeah. impression it, it, of that as well and it looks like when i'm never going to be able to see it but that's like the closest i'll get to it it was fantastic to look at it the, the woman's got white gloves on everything yeah. man it's like proper mm-hmm. take and see like seriously <laughs> <laughs> i love it and she's like these are the fish eyes these are the- <laughs> no the egg <laughs> eyes it was egg yeah, eyes and egg fish eyes. face <laughs> <laughs> now we can't put well, the fish face on you so i've got these f- fish fingers that i'm just gonna rub against <laughs> your cheeks all right so it's the same thing this is an experience <laughs> yeah like, I'm a- am i acting now <laughs> So like Tom Cruise gets into character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just wind him up. Let him go. Go let him off. Do you have any more facts, Dan, or are we going to wrap this one up? <laughs> I'm going to say I'm out after that because, you know, egg eyes and fish skin egg really eyes makes and fish my face. stomach feel great. That's the tagline for this podcast, everyone. Egg eyes and fish face. <laughs> um, so thank you so much, guys, for joining again on another monster episode. And thank you to anyone who took the time to listen to our BBC interview that was on Wednesday night. Because I have to remember, we are in Monday right now. <laughs> yes, we are it's, in... it's totally Monday. It's it? Monday. We are in. Oh, it's the, the Mondayest of Mondays. Yes, so we are in right the now. Past has already happened. So Graham has already had <laughs> his Star Trek episode on Friday. And there is no live episode on Sunday because I have already done SunnyCon with Graham. We had it great. Well, it was was, was amazing. It was the best experience that I haven't had yet. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, the the problem is though, I'm Mm -hmm. not. I don't think I'm on trekking up north 
the episode after this. I'm having to miss that week because <gasps> I'm I'm going to be performing at Home Festival in Darlington, and I thought we were oh, performing well on the done. Saturday. We're performing on the Friday, so oh, <laughs> and, dare they? Yeah, and we can't even pre-record it on Thursday because the episode that we're meant to be talking about comes out on Friday morning. So wow. you're like, oh, I will be in a field at this point. So, uh, oh. so the problem is I can't even be here and be like, hey, tune in on Friday. Well, no, tune in, do it. Goodwill is going to be doing it, but I shall not be there. <laughs> oh well. Being I'm a field sure, in sure. drag. I think we've just inceptioned this whole conversation. We really, I'm really, really have. Um, <laughs> next, next week, at least I got it right this time because normally I get it wrong in classes in the past, but then with the future, I always end up getting it wrong. But I got it right this time. Next week is a very special episode. Um, I'm not going to announce it, and you will have to wait for the promotion work, but I guarantee you guys are going to absolutely love it i know certain people in our discord are going to love it and we do have a very special guest joining us mm -hmm. but all will be revealed yes at a later it, date how spicy is it on a scale oh, it's, oh, it's... of one to oh lord <laughs> i would say oh lord oh lord oh i would say oh lord especially oh, yeah. me i am a massive fan of this person so i am so excited so it's the person we know it's it's the person two. then We're it's only a two for me because i know the person so it's yeah. only a two so nah, you've met them yeah it's fine yeah i am i am absolutely buzzing for next week's episode i ain't gonna lie um right remember to like share and subscribe to the youtube channel you can find monster podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Our socials are Instagram, TikTok. Our Facebook community page is just Nerdy Up North. We're on Twitter too. Yes, we're on Twitter too. And um, so, yeah, thanks, guys. That was fun. I enjoyed it. <laughs> really enjoyed you fools. it. <laughs> <laughs> you fools! You fools! I, I, just, I just really, I have to say, anyone, it is on YouTube. Watch the Lon Chaney original. So, Please. Phantom of the Opera, nineteen twenty-five. And yeah, it is brilliant. Like, just you know, have a drink, watch it, like with a friend. It's a great, it, it's a great movie. It's a shame, obviously, the silent genre is a bit difficult to watch when we used to cinema as it is now. But the tension is just, it's I an love experience it. And, and the reveal happens, and he still stays scary. And this yes. is when we've got movies now where they reveal the monster too soon, and then you realize it's just a man in a suit. Somehow, Lon Janey stays scary. For an extra sort of 40 minutes after we get to see the full thing. And you're like, that's good. That's a good monster. Well, that is that is an excellent way to say it. Go and watch it. It is actually on Amazon Prime as well. So, yes, thank you guys so it's much. We'll... Probably on Amazon Prime. Prime. Oh. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Stay nerdy, everyone. Bye. 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 <laughs>